Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Welcome back to a, another special Zoom episode of You Love to See It. A Zoopisode. <laughs> a Zoopisode? A Zoopisode or something? What did you say? A Zepisode? Something. I don't know how to pronounce it. Or uh, an Eum. Oh, what? Episode? Epoom. Epoom episode. Uh. Uh, it doesn't have the same ring. It doesn't have the same ring. I'm joined here today with Caleb. And Eric, my name is Zach. If you are underwear, uh, hello. <laughs> our, today, you know, this is the first time we've seen each other in a week ish. You know, it's uh, maybe Not we a maybe haven't bathed in a month. Method That's acting. a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> Method acting. I like you. You, you and Benedict Cumberbatch have something in common. Um, with Eric's little quip, uh, we we do have a special movie this week not really special just a normal movie uh the power of the dog well, um well, <laughs> maybe it's a special it's pretty it's pretty it's high on eric's special, list special all right it's pretty high on eric's list eric where is it at right now in your top of the year if you if you you don't have to say if you don't want but it's is it it's near the top right oh it's near the top easily the top. okay we'll save i, I watched it i rewatched most of it today Eric, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a theory on why you like this movie, and we will come back to it later. I, think- <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, it's pretty clear. I don't think anyone's surprised that I like this. Okay. I, I'm, I'm interested to see why you like it, because I had a couple ideas. Um, just there was one movie in particular that I was like, this movie kind of reminds me of this movie. Not really. And I was just like, I wonder if that. Are you? Is the is is the fifth letter of that movie an O? Is the fifth letter of that movie? No way, no. Wait, sorry. Sixth, sixth, sixth letter. Sixth letter of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I won't. Okay, I. I I guess my code's pretty useless now. Yeah. What what are what are you thinking of? Eric cracked my code before you even had a chance to. What's what is that O? What was uh, the what? Caleb was gonna say Phantom Thread. Oh, I I've never seen it. Is it uh, similar? There are some no. similarity. No, 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 without spoiling it. Um, <laughs> spoilers, no. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, <laughs> you're trying to save me on this one. Well, before we do get into the film, because there is, um, I think this will be a a rich episode, a lot to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. What have you guys seen in the last? Anything you've seen? Any? Maybe trailers you want to shot. I've actually seen quite a bit in the last week since we met, so I have quite a lot to say. But um, go ahead, Zach. All right, I, I guess I'll begin. I didn't mean to put myself right out there. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time we had met, I had I had not seen Matrix yet. 
you were about to. You, you were about to watch the older yeah. one. Yes, um, I saw make the new Matrix. Um, very very good movie, which is interesting because everyone I meet, um, that is very I don't even know how to put this. I don't know. It just it, it's it's I, it's got a lot of praise, but it's also got a lot of haters, and it's I, so unfortunate because it's, I, <laughs> I think it's I think it's very good. Um, I won't say it's the best one, but I thought it was perhaps one of the best sequel movies ever made um wow and very unique and i think uh uh lena wachowski did a did a great job and uh i think it's i think it's really good i i was absolutely stunned by david ehrlich's four and a half star review and um <laughs> I, re- I really enjoyed it and the fir- the beginning is very funny and very it's just it feels it feels very complete and very much like it had a good direction rather than just being a nameless reboot um slash sequel um eric you've seen it right yeah you thought it was fine you thought it was fine i thought it was fine i don't think there's anything i thought the meta stuff was fine and fun oh you didn't like it i liked it i thought i thought it was really cool because it's also like very true it feels like very I, I don't know. I'm, true, I'm not, but then I'm it not. also like fell into some of the same traps. I mean, I think the main thing I wanted out of it was a really was like good action throughout. That and was the one thing. This is the there's worst. not really any big action set piece that I found very impressive until like the end. That's very true. Um, um, there's a I lot of talking about like lore, which is not what interests me about that's the. Not, that's fair. That's fair. I think I. I like the overall conceit of it, though, like, like the idea of like the whole movie is about trying to recapture like the magic of the original Matrix. I I like that idea, and I thought Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss did a good job. I thought Neil Patrick Harris was great. great. Jonathan Groff and Yaya, and I thought Neil Patrick Harris was good too. I I thought it was a good cast. I thought. I thought the the, the the themes were the strongest they've ever been, but I thought the action was the worst it's ever been, which is just one of those things. It's like if you go to the Matrix because you love the action movies, you're going to be disappointed. If you go to the Matrix because you really love the lore and maybe some of the themes and ideas behind it, you're going to, I think you'll walk away loving it. So it's definitely a lot more of the, it's a, I think it's a different approach. And I mean, it's nothing like, I, I, I think the Matrix, Matrix 2 has the best action sequences, Matrix 3 loaded. Um, there's like a huge highway car action scene. It's just incredible. And this one doesn't have anything even close to that. But yeah, still a good movie. Already one of my top of the year. Maybe that's just because there hasn't been anything that's really caught my eye this year. But um, And then I'll go over my, my other two super quick. Um, I watched two movies on the plane and deprived myself of sleep. I watched Lady Bird for the first time ever. Um, that was good. Uh, Greta Gerwig. Um, thought I didn't realize too that um, uh, Beanie Felstein, Felstein, Felstein was in it. Um, because I had just watched her in Booksmart, and then I was like, oh my god, she's in Lady Bird. Um, it was good. It was fine. I thought I'd like it more than I did. Honestly, have you guys seen Lady Bird? Either of you? Certainly. Um, it was good. Like it was good. I mean, I, I gave it three and a half stars. It was a good movie. Um, and then I also watched Moneyball, which, um, you know, good old Sor- Aaron Sorkin 
and uh, writing, not directing. But uh, I, I, I'm a sucker for sports and I'm a sucker for Moneyball. So, uh, very we missed the new Aaron Sorkin movie this year. I know, I know, I know. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, I, yeah, it was good. It was good. What about you guys? Anything you've seen? Anything you want to give a special shout out to? Caleb? Uh, I rewatched Licorice Pizza. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure if that was a rewatch. Yeah, and I liked it more the second time. Uh, felt more mm. cohesive the second time, and I don't know, like more like a complete story. And I, it didn't really bother me the first time that I didn't capture sure. that feeling. I, it was fine to just bounce around and just be there, but this time it it really felt even more complete and intentional. And I leave the theater with an even stronger uh, conviction that the ending was that was the only way to go like there is there's no there's nothing else that could have possibly happened that could have been remotely honest and also well, I saw it again at, at the Regency Village Theater in Westwood and right next to uh, the theater literally right next to it they had recreated uh, Bernie's Pinball Palace, Fat Bernie's Pinball what? Palace, and the Waterbed Store. So we, we <laughs> have to like go in there. That's crazy. And, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's crazy cool. Wow. I need to see that again. Yeah, I agree. Eric, any? What about you? I saw. I'm just gonna go through some highlights. I saw Passing for a new movie this year. Um, it's based on the very famous novella from the from the 1930s i think um i thought it was very solid it was um this it's about tessa thompson who lives in harlem who uh sometimes passes as white um when she goes into the city and she meets her friend played by ruth mega who passes full time and has married a white man who doesn't know that uh, she is, I think, mixed race. Um, and this man is a racist. And it's sort of about their interactions. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a beautifully textured movie. It's like one of the prettiest movies I've seen this year. A great um, depiction of the jazz age, I thought. And it has four really good central performances in the two central couples and um the like the problems it deals with um felt really real to me and it's a it's a movie that never felt like it would be oh no like i feel like there's a lot of these movies these days like sort of what we talked about with one night in miami that feel like they're just like spewing philosophy at you this movie very much so felt like a story first that very much so dealt with the um, issues of race, class, gender, all within its story in a very good way. Um, what else have I seen? I saw a five-star. Birth by Jonathan Glazer. Crazy movie. Oh, my God. It's about Nicole Kidman. Um, it's the director of Under the Skin, by the way, if, if you um, needed some context. Okay, Nicole Kidman, her husband dies, and then um, it 
like she 10 years later is set to marry this other man um and on like a couple like a bit before the wedding um a 10 year old child comes up on their doorstep and tells her that she is that that this kid this little young boy is the reincarnation of her dead husband and knows just like crazy shit about the dead husband and it's about like Nicole Kidman and the family like trying to grapple with the fact that like this kid could really be like <laughs> the reincarnation of this dead husband oh my god and like, <laughs> like like trying not to like ruin everything in her life to like run off with this 10 year old so wait, is it a meme or is this real like is it a good movie like a really good it was movie? an incredible it's an incredible movie and it's also hilarious it's crazy oh but like that's part of what's good about it so good um and amazing who said story. hollywood wasn't still original even though it came out probably in what 2000 something 2004 okay it's incredible um yeah five star woman under the influence classic yeah i saw that today yeah, or not saw the movie but i saw your five star my uh new favorite cassavetes obviously mm-hmm. i also saw your um low rating of north by northwest which i have never seen um you know i've watched that i've watched that movie three times now and i and it got better eh. yes <laughs> Did it really I, get better? I made it through this time without like actively wanting to fall asleep so i upped it a little why do you i have a question why do you keep watching it if it's such <laughs> a low rating for you no i'm serious like why why put well, yourself through it Okay, first time I watched it because it's North by Northwest. Second time I watched it for class. And then this time m- my parents wanted to watch a Hitchcock. And then I figured this is an easy one to start with. Mm, okay, all right. So there was, there was re- reasons behind each of the viewings. I have yet, I mean, I'm probably putting a target on myself, but I have yet to see a single Hitchcock film. So one day I will break into it, but... At this point in my life, I don't know if I'm quite quite ready. Um, I think you're ready, Zach. <laughs> you think I'm ready? Start with rope. I should start with rope. Rope I is good. Don't, don't get on rope. Rope <laughs> is good. I think I'm going to start with the birds um, because I've heard so many great things about it. <laughs> no, the birds is legitimately good. The birds? Yeah. Oh, I thought the birds. People, like is fucking memed. love the birds. I thought it's memed. No, like people like did it. Like, no, the birds is the. Hey, I thought that wasn't the birds. One of the movies that that Caleb like shit all over during our like intro podcast years ago. I haven't it's seen the, the birds. birds. No. What 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 did you? There was something Maybe about so, birds. Psycho, the shower scene. No, there was something about bird, like birds, that you oh. like hated. Oh, is like birdemic shock and terror. <laughs> I don't know, but I just know. I swear to God, I want to go back because there's a movie you're like, dude, this movie just birds and I and I hate it. And I'm like, Whoa. for some reason, well, I, I haven't of... seen Birdemic Shock and Terror either. But there's, what's what's cool. a movie with birds that you have seen? There's got to be one. <laughs> like Shrek. <laughs> okay, not everything is Shrek. Shrek has birds in it. <laughs> you know what doesn't have birds in it? Actually, Power of the Dog does have birds in it. I'm mistaken and rabbits and mm. cattle and what other animal horses bronco henry 
Brian. <laughs> He's an animal. animal <laughs> hey, we don't know any of that. He did keep him warm on that mountain, though. Possibly naked. We don't know anything. We don't know anything beside that. All right, let's get. I was going to mention a few trailers to you I saw, but honestly, there was nothing noteworthy besides. Um, I saw the. I've seen the Batman shower every time, and I get a little more excited every time I see it. Um, I keep. I saw the new Tom Holland video game Uncharted <laughs> film. Did you see that? <laughs> Did you get the the trailer that or uh, Tom Holland's like on the map? Like this is the route that Magellan sailed. And then Mark Wahlberg's like, oh, wow, you really know your history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I so did. I did. It's, it's going to be a terrible movie. You know what I love about Tom Holland? I saw this meme of him the other day. Not a meme. It's actually not. It's a, one, it's a photo of him. I, I, can, I can't unsee it now every time I see a photo of him. I, it's a photo of him in a blazer. And then the meme is, the, it's not a meme. It's a Twitter that says, <laughs> I know a chest contour when I see one. And it's, it's, Oh it, it's God. true. It's definitely true. I can't unsee every photo of him. I I also I saw the trailers for uh, the Northman by uh, Robert Eggers. Um, I saw I I definitely saw the new like oh I saw the Buzz Lightyear trailer or I'm sorry Lightyear. <laughs> I could not contain myself. All I know is I, no, nothing great. Nothing great. I won't lie. <laughs> but. Um, all right, let's let's get into it. Let's get into Power of the Dog. Um, Eric, since you love it so, so much, how about you give us the introduction on Power of the Dog? Of course. Um, <laughs> Power of the Dog, based on the novel poster. <laughs> um is uh, the new film by Jane Campion this year. Uh, sorry, I just dropped so much stuff getting that book out. Um, and it um, is basically about uh, two brothers, Phil and George, played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, who have sort of settled themselves as really rich ranchers in rural Montana. And... Um, George is nice core, like nice little rich man. And then Benedict Cumberbatch is sort of just a huge, like macho douche, um, sort of a classic John Wayne type guy. Um, and then the conflict in the film happens when George marries Kristen Dunst and Cody Smith McPhee. Um, Kristen Dunst playing uh, like a more middle-class working-class restaurant owner and Cody McPhee playing her young son who is studying to become a doctor um and anyways George marries them and then Phil Benedict Cumberbatch starts hating on them and crazy shit happens where by the end of the movie at least for me like my perception of every character had pretty much taken a complete like 180. <laughs> That's where yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to go, go with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie that, you know, <clears throat> you know, I, I, there was a comment by one of my family members like, oh, what, what, what happened? Like, what even happened? It's a movie where not a lot happens. Like, sure, there's, 
you know, marriage and alcoholism and closeted homosexuality and death. But in actuality, there's not a lot that happens. And you're really kind of just kind of, you're really just kind of, kind of, wow. I don't know how many times I can put the word kind of into a sentence, but you're really just with these characters specifically, you know, it comes down to, you know, the three men and then Rose, uh, the men being Phil, George, and the son, uh, Peter. And you're, it's, it's a lot more, I feel like it's a movie that for me personally needs a rewatch um, to really, because I feel like I'm still missing things. And I feel like I, I, I also did not watch in a theater and I watched it with a family. And this is not one, a family movie. <laughs> and two, it is not, at least my family. One, not a family movie. And two, um, definitely would have been better in the theater, like Eric recommended originally. Um, so I think having this movie again by myself would definitely give me a better understanding and a better appreciation, which is more important. Um, yeah, I mean, First of all, I have to say, damn, that score, though. Um, so good. It's so Johnny good. Gre I Johnny Greenwood, dude. I just because I have listened to a bunch of his proxy through, you know, like, through Eric, it's just that man knows how to create a damn good score. May like, I direct everyone to the track Viola Quartet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did Phantom Thread, correct? He did The Master. I haven't seen either, though. I know he, what's funny is he's done two big movies now this year. He did Licorice Pizza and he did uh, Power of the Dog. So, and Spencer. And Spencer. So I, I wonder, can, can someone be nominated twice for an Oscar? He uh, will be nominated <laughs> twice. Because it's, I mean, he's going to be nominated twice. Too bad he can't win twice because um, the score was really good in this. Um, Are we definitely. sponsored by Johnny Greenwood or what's, what's going on right <laughs> Introducing now? Introducing special guests. No, uh, no. I mean, what a propulsive <laughs> score! It's it's so it's, good. It's like it's it's, very it's almost like the Sparks thing where it's like melodic yet not melodic. Like you don't really know where it's going. I thought it added a lot of tension to the movie. Oh my god! It, I I thought so too. Eric, I, love, I mean, I also like. I specifically love Johnny Greenwood because I feel like there aren't many people who score for like chamber strings in soundtracks anymore and this is a chamber string soundtrack that is easy on the ears like fills the like requirements of the movie but sounds very unique to me in a way that like something like Spencer didn't yeah Spencer was not by any means groundbreaking I mean what's funny is I've heard the Phantom Thread music I absolutely adore it um, but I've never seen the film. And this is one that I think would deserve, definitely deserve an Oscar. I'm waiting for Caleb, though, to try Caleb's about to shit on the score, right? Tell me how much he <laughs> hates the score because I can see the way he's like licking his lips right now. Um, and all I'm going to say is years. obviously he doesn't Psalms appreciate, he doesn't appreciate some good strings. That's, that's West. what, uh, <laughs> Caleb? Mimicry, prelude, bangers. So, so nobody is is getting tired of Johnny Greenwood just whipping up some 
phonetic strings. And, <laughs> what? No, it's not. And phonetic. calling it a score, like just frenzy, like. No, it's it's framed off of like classic, like that prelude is very baroque. Like, I mean, it's based off. It's it's very much like. It could have sounded like it sounds like a Bach prelude put into a Western genre. It sounds like it's not. It's not. It's so melodic. Well, yeah. Didn't you hear me changing my did it is very slightly in in tone? All of the music. It's maybe if I hadn't seen Spencer so recently. I don't know. I just feel Spencer's like is, I, I agree with you that Spencer's feels like that. I don't know. I no, feel like they, it's like all he does is these frenzied strings, and it's like I, I get it, man. Like, I get it. what do you is, think? This is, like, this is a tense scene. I got this is it. Very different. Please, from what, what do you think? What do you think about like something like Phantom Thread? Uh, it's not in my, my head enough to properly comment, but I don't remember liking it as much as most do. Eric is about to like <laughs> leave the Zoom call right now. I mean, it's best fair, of, you know, I, for best every, of all um, time. There's got to be. Oh. Is he? Is he your best composer of all time? Or like, no. Like, but I, mean, I mean, like of my like working composers. Modern. He is. Yeah. Easily one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think he's. I mean, I'm. I'm on the train. Um, doesn't mean that the train is necessarily the right train, but I'm on the train. So, like, not including, not including Annette. This is my favorite score of the year. Yeah, I mean, I. It's definitely my favorite score of the year so far. Um, oh, just based on. I mean, and then it's not that it's like super revolutionary by any means, but I thought it was really good. And I also, I, I don't know, like, what, what else is there that sounds like this out there? Like, for movies, like, don't ask, don't ask. I think like just all of his things kind of sound like this. And that's, this is a distinctly take on like a Western like version of it. But like, you, you, if I heard this like on its own, I could be like, oh, like this would go for a Western. If I, if if this was the first thing I had heard of his, I probably wouldn't have much of a reaction. I'd probably be pretty. Are you just gonna say that sounds like Phantom Thread? <laughs> like, no. Or like the master? Like, I just like I'm just. It's not the precise melody. It's it's just the, it's the frenzied strings that I'm just kind of. That's like of. telling Hans Zimmer that you're tired of his like, like drone. Yeah, and rotating. Hans Zimmer's <laughs> recent scores, like Dunkirk and Tenet, have been horrible scores. Hey, hey, hey! hey. Like now he's yeah, like he's gone from like from like beautiful melodies to just knocking clocks over tables. Like <laughs> it is like it. It, something that that I you know. I think he meant Dune. I think he meant Dune. He didn't do Tenet. He did Dune instead. Um, no, which was do... no, he chose not to do. Oh, Dune yeah, to, sorry, or sorry, choose yeah. not to do tenant to do. Dune. So yeah, but no, like, Dunkirk. Either way, like, Dunkirk is just like that's just his instrumentation. Like he does chamber like string quartet solo instrument like string fiddle like scores like that's just the sound. Yeah, I mean, I'm just tired of that sound. 
<laughs> like it, it just didn't do like I I was so just just over it that I was more thinking about how like tired I am of this stuff than thinking oh is this good, which also I I didn't really think it was so good anyway. But I guess that's just the entire movie. Peter's so. gonna hate. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back on track to the film. I mean, has there been a good score this year? Like, man, I'm looking at these. Annette, excuse you. That's like, that's. I guess it's a musical, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like score, score. I mean, this. Yeah. Uh, Okay, actually, Passing had a great score. Passing had a really great score. Uh, Um, West Side Story, French Dispatch. I mean, it was fine. Come on, come on, has a good score. Oh, you know, I had a great score. Oh, no Dig. time to die has a decent score. Dig had a great score. <laughs> All right, now I'm gonna leave the call. <laughs> Candyman. <laughs> the original Candyman. Um, nice. Passing has a really nice like jazz score to it. Um, Does the Green Knight have a good score? I I honestly don't remember. Uh. I think so. I at the like one of the last pieces you hear at the end. I think is really. I mean, the Green Knight. The climactic sounds. It's. I mean, it's just a Daniel Hart score. In the same like, it's 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 a very much so not best, but, a Daniel Hart score, but not as good, not quite as good as a Ghost Story. I wish the Matrix yeah, had a better score as much as the first one did. Because I enjoyed the first one score, but yeah, what's um. Let's talk about our, our main cast. Um, you know, we have a, we're gonna have a lot to get into with just like themes and plot and stuff like that. But what is the you know the main four casts of Benedict Cumberbatch? Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith McPhee. Uh, what do we got to say about them? I mean, Oscar I know all around. Oscars <laughs> all around. Eric is absolutely praising this movie. This is like, I go when I go when I go off, I go off. <laughs> oh, I know. I've seen the other, the opposite end of the spectrum, um, and now we're seeing the the good going off. Um, I mean, when was the last time, other than Annette, this is my favorite movie we've seen for the podcast? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that I mean, obviously, in my head, the star of this is Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, you know, that's probably not a hot take by any means. I think he's very, very good. Um, and as the film grows, I think he, his character grows and his acting becomes even more appreciated or like of being whatever. Um, like I think it becomes more powerful. Um, I think like Jesse Plemons is good, but you know, he's like kind of got a very nice guy character. Not too much there. I don't know. I guess maybe that's something you have to really like to appreciate it as much. Um, I think Kirsten Dunst did a fine job too. Uh, but I honestly think the one that really stood out to me too um, was Cody Smith McGee. Um, just the way he carried himself. And there's several scenes in particular, you know, you know, he's obviously um, his mock. With his, his walk, means. Um, the way he's like this kind of, mm. and it's so awesome too because 
you know, we're going to get into spoilers here, but you, you view him as this kind of like weird, lanky kid who ends up, he's a lot more calculated. Guy. He's a lot more calculated, a lot more, kind of, not, not maybe cynical is the right, but he's, well, a, he's a sociopath. You know, yeah. He, like, he's but, a psychopath. You know, <laughs> you know, <and> obviously, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, you know, his eventual it came out over a month ago. <laughs> okay. Well, killing, uh, you know, when he eventually kind of puts his plan into motion um, to kill Phil, kill Phil. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like the very kind of switcher switcheroo for his character in terms of like, you know, and I read an article about this from the director, you know, talking about, you know, how we, you know, we think of him one way, we think of him this way, this fragile, you know, the feminine features, blah, 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 blah but he's really, you know, like much more. And it's, it, I think he, he, just the way he carries himself and in certain scenes, especially um, the one I, that comes to my head is the scene um, where he's kind of walking and the camera's following him as he walks by these tents and cowboys who are, you know, yelling, you know, like homophobic slurs at him. Um, he just, the way he walks and carries himself, it's just so poised and yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, what do you guys think? Who's your star uh, standout in this or the show stealing performance? Uh I'll, I'm not not to call it the show stealing performance, but I'll give a nod to Jesse Plemons because he really was not given very much, and I think he made he made the most more than anybody else uh, with what he was given. He that sounds like Jesse Plemons. Yeah, his uh, his output to input ratio was was the was kind of astounding here. Um. Yeah, I thought he was just very real, and especially used silence uh, to really bring you in uh, to his mind. And I was impressed, per usual, by Mr. Plemons. Was there anything in particular? You mentioned the silence. Was there maybe a scene or just a moment? that stood out to you. Uh, one example of what I thought he made he made a moment funny where there wasn't actually much humor uh, when the governor and his wife are with, uh, are with the newlyweds uh, and the governor says, uh, they're, they're talking about Phil, how Phil uh, studied classics and the governor's like, did he talk to the animals in Greek or Latin? And then, Clemens like takes a long pause, kind of awkwardly <laughs> says yes, <laughs> and then great. just like moves on. I don't know. I just like <laughs> it, it felt very weird, but so, yeah, I know. I, I remember, like I yeah, expected like him to like make a clip, right? Like you expect yeah. him, but he's just you know he's not the charismatic guy his brother is, and it's yeah. Um, that's that's it. That's a great moment, Eric. What about you? You were star of the show. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I I think Benedict Cumberbatch really does this for me. But I I I find it hard to think like how much of his performance being good is like 
him putting in a good performance and how much of it is just because he's just like so far against type that his performance you, comes across. What, I mean, the movie like hinges on you believing that his like his masculinity is like some type of performance. Um, and <laughs> like Benedict Cumberbatch who plays Dr. Strange, Sherlock, like posh, nerdy, like posh, nerdy, like sassy, sassy boy. Yeah, you don't he's think not, Benedict Cumberbatch is like the exact opposite of the like John Wayne type guy he's playing here, who literally has not bathed in a month in the movie and out of the movie. Um, so, but I I think he really does it for me. I think Cody Smith McPhee is really good. I mean, his role, um, and the way his character comes across as perhaps even scarier than Benedict Cumberbatch's ever was at the end is part of what makes this movie work for me. I guess that's more of the writing, but like his sort of more effeminate uh, version of masculinity being as scary as Benedict Cumberbatch's super macho sort of traditional idea of toxic masculinity is what makes this not so simplistic as just like a men, men are bad. Well, um, yeah, I, I think I he's, he's able to do both. Like, I think Cody Smith McPhee, I, I think, I mean, part of it is just that the like role plays on gender expectations, but I like, he was so nice to his mom that I really like <laughs> was willing to like sort of disregard. Oh, like, how scary like how like on rewatch I was like oh my god this kid is scary like when he's making that little flower at the beginning of the movie that is terrifying like the, the way the he looks at it and it's like it's like so precise or like or honestly even like the, when the first time I watched the movie I was like oh like he's a student like maybe he's going around dissecting rabbits <laughs> like he's a nice boy and I think he is just like the perfect look and just the right amount of like soft spoken to be like to be um i don't know conceivably really cold or conceivably like really warm um and i thought that was cool um i honestly wish kirsten dunst and jesse plummets as Caleb already said got a little more i after seeing the movie was actually surprised that kirsten dunst was getting so much oscar buzz for this movie because i didn't feel like she had much to do in this movie other than be like an increasingly like desperate alcoholic housewife I I but I thought what she did was was good yeah I don't really see the Oscar buzz especially with some other performances like I I just don't see it she just wasn't you know it's nothing against her her performance is great for what it is I just think that yeah, she's just not in the movie enough, or the moments aren't what really He's up for supporting actress, to be fair, but... Yeah, no, yeah, but I don't know, it's just not what sticks with you, I guess. I think, oh, sure, you know, Phil's torment of Rose is what sticks with you a bit, and the relationship, as you said, between Peter and Rose. But I, I don't know, I, I found myself much more engaged, especially in the latter end, of the, the latter end, that's what... Um, in the end of the film, when Peter and Phil are interacting, I mean, to me, that's obviously the most, I mean, just attention-grabbing, interesting, you know, to watch. But 
Uh, yeah, I think she's good. And, you know, with Josie Plemons, too, I think he's good. Um, it just feels like there's also not a ton for him. But I'm interested because, you know, we, you know we're going to talk about masculinity and, you know, the homosexuality. Where does, you know, you think about Peter as this more feminine masculinity and, you know, Phil as the very macho masculinity associated with kind of the cowboy you know what is it where does jesse clemens character of george then fit on that spectrum or if it's not a spectrum like what is the commentary i guess about you know the relationship that these three men have towards being a man or masculine jesse clemens is the lucky one like in my mind jesse clemens is the one who like doesn't quite need to make a performance he is the one who is able to like at least able to get married have a wife have like a stable life he is the one that is rich he is the one that is also comfortable being rich because i I guess in some way benedict cumberbatch's twisted mind and bronco henry had equated him like being comfortable with his wealth as being like effeminate um i i think he's sort of the foil that the other two end up like basing themselves off of and i don't think just like uh, uh, but jesse i mean like not to say that jesse plemons doesn't have his own struggles because obviously we get that like ridiculously good dance scene out in, out in the like out in the wilderness but i i definitely saw him throughout the movie as more of just like this like stable foil for the other two Caleb, do you, uh, you have any thoughts? No, I think that's a that's an apt description. Um, yeah, I think he's just kind of he's less bothered by the societal expectations of masculinity, and though because of that, he's probably perceived as weaker especially by phil uh it enables him to kind of go after what he wants to more easily because he's yeah when when you just remove societal pressure when you choose to ignore it that's just one less obstacle so it's it's kind of remarkable how quickly uh you know he he meets uh Rose. Rose. He meets Rose and uh, and they get married, but it it makes uh, a little more sense when you realize he doesn't really care about the external factors and while that may kind of challenge Phil's you know, expectations and, and how he thinks men should be behave or why and then, you know, may explain why he thinks Rose is is only interested in the money. You know, maybe it's just I don't. Know, George doesn't set up all these roadblocks for himself by seeking to align with you know, arbitrary conditions. You know, he just goes after what he wants, which I think Phil is probably uh, definitely a little jealous of. Well, I, I took it partially as. Phil being incredibly jealous of the fact that there was no way he could fulfill mm-hmm. these societal expectations without having to be able to be like, while also being able to be himself. Yeah. 
So what do you think then of, I mean, there's an interesting you relate, you know, the relationship between Peter and Phil is a complicated one. You know, obviously, you know, Peter kills Phil, but, you know, there's like a level of, it feels like companionship at some point, but still not, you know, departing from the original, you know, goal that Peter had, you know, and then after Phil's death, you see Peter, change right back into those white sneakers that become a staple of his character and kind of go back to how he was is you know is it what do you think of their relationship or like you know it's like kind of i guess it seems like at some level he kind of like after you know like he had been planning you know he wanted to return to who he was he didn't want to become this cowboy even though it felt like Phil was giving this sort of like you know he was building the rope. It was all about that rope. You know he got he got all mad when the when the hide got sold and you know what you view the rope as and as you know maybe Phil's part of the relationship. Like how do you guys view that all that? Well, I mean, there's a okay on rewatch. There's a very clear point where Cody Smith McPhee decides, oh, I'm gonna kill Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's when he comes back from school and then he like sees his mom and he's like, oh, like, is it Phil? And she's like, oh, like, he's just a man. And you can like see like in that instant, like that's when he goes, oh, like, okay, Phil's gone. Like, <laughs> Phil is Phil. <laughs> and everything past that point is pretty much just like, in my mind, it is pretty much just pure performance. Okay. Um, you, and think then it's thought- ever, you think all of it's performative? Do you ever think there's a moment of connection or a moment i mean obviously i think it feels somewhat real to phil and you can debate maybe like what the reasons are that phil's doing it all whether it's more Um, reminiscent of bronco henry i'm I'm just curious what you phil's reasons for me have to do with him noticing i saw i guess it i was i this is a question i had too and i had gotten i found a theory in a review that i read that i think is something i ascribe to and they basically said it's like two things happen at once like first is cody smith mcphee decides to kill um to kill benedict cumberbatch after what he sees with his mom but that happens almost concurrently with benedict cumberbatch noticing that kirsten dunst is like a debilitated like drunk and him wanting to become a father figure for cody smith mcphee like it happened pretty much at the same time. So that's that's when the I I I imagine that's when the like him wanted to emulate his relation with Bronco Henry and be this father figure for Cody Smith McPhee to find some sort of performance that he's been able to have and not be what he perceives as this what like Cody Smith McPhee must be living this totally unhappy like repressed life as the like more effeminate person he is. I guess. I don't know if that made any sense. <laughs> no, it does. I, 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 I think there's a level, you know, I think, I, you know, I wonder how much, you know, I mean, do you think that it does, it feels like a fa- like a father son connection, like a fatherly connection to you between them. I'm not necessarily, I'm not trying to make an argument that there is something sexual romantic. Sort of. but... I, mean, I imagine it is sexual too, but like, I mean, that's what his relationship with Bronco Henry was. No, Bronco Henry yeah, was that reminds me. Yeah, I mean that that I think that is definitely, you know, 
what it alludes to for me. And, you know, but I, I, you know, what do you think the reason is then that he decided, do you think it's just seeing Rose the way she is, is how he decided? Do you think, I saw somewhere that someone said that it had, like, they felt it was like once he had noticed that he might be homosexual. Well, I think he clearly sees himself in Cody McPhee and then seeing that he has no parental figure. I mean, Jesse Plemons is absent in the movie. And then Kirsten Dunst is a mess. Not a suitable parental figure. Well, it's funny because she's a mess because of. Yeah, she's a mess because of. (laughs) You know, which is definitely a really interesting, you know, just. Yeah. So, you know, I know Caleb's been kind of. Well, I mean, I I actually, Benedict Cumberbatch is terrible to Kirsten Dunst, but I, it's not totally Benedict Cumberbatch. I think part of it is also this expectation of Kirsten Dunst feeling out of place. Like Benedict Cumberbatch simply amplifies Kirsten Dunst's insecurities. Like Rose is insecure about the fact that one, she is one of the only women in this entire movie. Um, and the fact that the family she is like getting married into is much more like is of a like just a completely different social status than her and with or without benedict cumberbatch she would have not i don't know if she would have been able to play that strauss piece for that dinner party and would have been just as stressed and anxious benedict cumberbatch probably true but he you know definitely feels like he gives her the push off the ledge you know the 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 final shove and then yeah, yeah, it's very complicated. I mean, all these dynamics are very complicated, and I think that's what makes the film very intriguing is because there's not necessarily one straight answer to all of this. Um, with the it seemed to me like he was just trying to harmonize with her with the banjo, and she was the one who rejected his. <laughs> yeah, advice. he just wanted some. Fr- he was just trying to. He just wanted a friend. Ask. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, what do you? you know, so it looked like he disagreed. What? Yeah, I am curious what, what Caleb thinks about. Oh, no, about. no. I was just setting up for my banjo joke. <laughs> You're setting up. What, do you, 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 do you kind of agree with what's been said, or do you kind of view things a little different? No. It all sounds very plausible. Very plausible. <laughs> yeah, there's maybe a level of overanalyzing here, but, you know, not. I don't think so. I think there's, you know, there's a lot to discuss, and I think... Um, I think that, you know, the biggest thing is to me that I kept trying to think about after I watched this movie was about the themes, you know, this repressed homosexuality from, um, well, I get, would you say that Peter is repressing his homosexuality? No, I think, I mean, I think part of Peter's like power and his like calculatedness comes from the fact that he's someone who, Phil assumes shouldn't be as comfortable with himself as he is. Peter is incredibly comfortable with himself. Yeah. Or, I, I think so. I, I think sure. so. At least. Um, and he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it and fuck everyone else. <laughs> so what is the, I guess for both of you, what do you, I mean, do you see this movie as like a tragedy? Do you see it? Like, how do you see it kind of in terms of like, what is the, the big commentary? I guess not that there's you know I'm not saying there's like one message or anything like that but like what did you, what did you take away 
or you felt like you took away? Uh, well, that is something that I, shall we say, struggled with. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. At the end, I, I was left kind of shrugging my come shoulders. Come on, come on. Uh, Are you serious? Like, it's just the kind of thing where I can appreciate more intellectually, um, but was not totally convinced emotionally. And I think it definitely does want you to take away something emotional, as I'm positive Eric did. Um, but I struggle to to achieve that is it a tragedy uh i guess definitionionally yes but but that's that's <laughs> uh, that's about as much as i uh as i as i feel it like i can i can understand it and, and point to the facts and say you know a plus b equals tragedy but it doesn't really move me as as i think Campion would have hoped. I want you to. I, I want to come back to that because I have some questions. Um, I I think I'm in a in a boat in between you and Eric. I'm like I feel like I'm a little bit in the wide Caleb ocean. camp of like oh yeah I I I like didn't completely feel the emotional pull of it, but I'm also like maybe not. Not not saying you're cynic, but I'm, I'm I might be a little little more in the middle. I'm I want to come back. What are you to trying to say, Zach? Saying, that I have no empathy. You, you have no empathy. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Well, I want you. I I want to come back though and talk about that in a minute. But Eric, I want. Well, what do you think in response to that question? You know about it being a tragedy and the takeaways, and you know, I guess enough kind of comparing your experience to Caleb, where you emotionally moved. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would not be seeing this movie four times, three of which in the future, <laughs> if I weren't emotionally moved. I mean, it's the tra- I mean, this this is a movie that's about Phil. It's like the tragedy of Phil as like someone who was never able to accept himself is like shackled to his performance and projects this performance and his own self hatred and jealousy onto like everyone around him and ultimately that performance is what brings about like his downfall um and i was i was very moved by it. although i i can definitely see how this could be a very cold movie i mean i was really the first time i watched it i was i was very taken by the fact that i don't think this is a very subtle movie but it was a movie where i also still questioned what was going on and it's very and the way it gives you the facts of what's going on is very calculated, almost in like a, like a, I don't know. I guess it's sort of like, like, a, like a book, like, like it, it can easily feel like I'm telling you this now to tell you later that like, oh, like Peter's <clears throat> killing the rabbit now because, oh, remember, he's like secretly a psychopath. Um, well, and I, I didn't, feel that. I, I guess I, I didn't feel that. And it's a very like, precisely framed movie like it's a very i don't know like 
the direction is so precise and so well-framed both in like just the composition and as well as in some of the references, like all of the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, at least like that first half of Benedict Cumberbatch, so much of it is perfectly framed as to like, <laughs> like, you know, that famous last shot of the searchers, like, I was like, oh my God, there it is again, like every time. But I don't know, it all, it all worked for me. Like that's part of what makes it work for me. Like the precise construction of it is also part of the emotional pull for me. Like, like I talked about Annette in how, what makes a movie like Annette work for me is that the like bluntness of the lyrics and the non-melodic structure of it makes it feel like in the form and the movie, like the movie is working against its own emotional pull. And like part of how like strict and precise this movie is in conjunction with like, and how it plays in with Benedict Cumberbatch's image of himself, especially in that first half is so disarming to me by the time we get to the second half and you start to realize just how like raw and vulnerable Benedict Cumberbatch really is. I, I don't know. It's, I feel like you could say this with a lot of the movies I like, but I, I definitely got that out of it. I think that's a, a damn good answer. I think that, yeah, there's parts of it that I find myself a hundred percent agreeing with. I, I do think, it it does feel. I mean, hell, it like is based off a novel. It is literally told in the film in chapters, um, and it it does feel kind of at conflict with both being, uh, kind of planned, very you know constructed, but also yeah, like you said, very messy and very you know so. I'm interested if maybe some of that, uh, maybe what Caleb thinks that if any of what you said was maybe a reason why he didn't feel as particularly connected to it. And then I guess the question is for both of you, what kind of what, what made it feel the way it did to you? Like what, like what about the directing? What about the, what, you know, whatever. I also was very intrigued. I don't know how I feel about just how this was filmed. Just like the, the framing of a lot of the scenes, it felt very, I definitely got a little bit more of a cold feeling. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, going back to Caleb, like, is there anything in particular or just something even general that you felt like contributed to how you feel? Or like maybe there was yeah, a lack of... Yeah, it's easy to or... look at the, at the construction and, and I don't, I'm not going to say I didn't uh, totally connect with it because it's so well constructed, but I think, yeah, the, the emphasis probably falls more on, on all this calculation to make sure the story moves along uh, very intelligently. Uh, like that is, is, is obviously a clear goal here and then the actual emotional moments don't strike me as as being so much in the forefront as as kind of just the the narrative mechanisms um and unlike eric i i don't see those mechanisms or i i don't associate those mechanisms directly with the emotion it's not like where there is more of one there's more of the other to me um this isn't an exact comparison by any means but uh another movie where i uh really appreciated 
the, the plot machinations, uh, but didn't really connect emotionally with the movie. And that kind of soured my whole experience was Knives Out, where I thought like the, the inner workings of the murder mystery were uh, like genius. I, Ryan Johnson just did an incredible job making sure every detail of that story uh, or of the plot really works out and, and keeps you guessing and engaged and i thought it was it was super clever while the emotional stuff the the whole family dynamics the dialogue in that movie i, I really didn't care for at all and i don't know it's just me as a viewer i'm always going to tend to the the story stuff the character stuff the emotional stuff before i yeah, and then like a really well drawn plot is, is is a nice bonus, but I don't come to the movies just for, uh, you know, you know, just to see a plot that's that's super detailed and and well planned. Now, I will say, Power of the Dog is definitely more of an emotional journey, and and I think more better emotionally crafted than than Knives Out. Um, it's cold. <laughs> but at the same time it is it is pretty cold uh, that is definitely something that I noticed as well so while it was easier than Knives Out for me to to appreciate some emotional uh, some of the emotional journey at other times it was kind of hard to get into uh, whereas Knives Out I could be like ah this would be easy if I if I if I thought it was good here, I'm like, okay, I, again, intellectually, I can, I can grab at this, but it, it is, there is some sort of distance here that, that, you know, puts me off a little that, that almost disengages me. And yeah, to, to, to grapple with that all along, like, ah, am I, am I even interested in what's going on here? I, I, I appreciate the, 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 I don't know, just the, the construction of this, but am I interested? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I kept saying, I don't know until the very end. And by that point, whether I made the decision yes or no, it's, it's, it's really kind of too late. I, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting how I find myself identifying with both you and Eric and your experiences. Um, Pick a side, Zach. I Let's know, go. I'm really right in the middle. <laughs> no, I think, but I, I also will say, yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up Knives Out, not necessarily because they're comparable, but because like Knives Out, I feel like this is a movie that really, at least for me, I'm not going to make this, you know, idea for, for necessarily you, Caleb, but it's a, it's a movie that grows on you. Um, Knives Out is a movie that today, after seeing it several times over the years, I like it more every time I see it. And I, I find a little bit deeper appreciation for it and maybe even some level of connection emotionally, the very different emotional connection than what this movie is trying to get out of you. Um, but I can see myself having the same kind of pattern or path of this movie, especially watching it on my own in a, in a different setting um, I could see it growing to be have more of that emotional connection because I think it's it's undoubtable how how beautiful this movie is, how well constructed this movie is, how great the, the best acting is. 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I actually agree with Eric. I, I think, I, I think it's best directed movie of the year. Hmm. Zach, I know you. I know you're going for West Side Story. I, I know that's what I'm thinking right now. I, I have to say, I don't know if I can give it the personal nod over West Side. Okay, because, I'm, I'm waiting for Memoria um, to. <laughs> <laughs> but um. It is very, very good, very noticeably good. And it's a, just a movie that on, like, if I had to put it in a short, you know, a few sentences, it's a movie that feels like it has very few holes. But it also isn't a movie that kind of left me emotionally impacted like a movie like Tatan did, you know? So... I, I might also be a little bit closer to Caleb in that. And, and, and maybe there's a reason. Maybe it can be pinpointed oh, down to an exact don't, no, level. Don't, don't, put, don't push me into Tom together. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying there could be some something, a reason perhaps why I don't feel so emotionally connected. Or maybe it just has to do with it not being the right moment or how I watched it. Who the hell knows? The point being, I do feel similar to Caleb in that way while also appreciating there is it's a very very elite level constructed movie with elite level acting and directing and score as well so that's what i will say eric what a um you know caleb kind of said a little bit more about what he felt was right i guess for you eric what 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 i, I know you touched this a bit what was the reason was there anything in particular that left you so impacted um was it just was it the directing was it just a combination of everything just kind of you know were you particularly inclined to the story or the the characters um because i know you struggled with the i felt so much yearning in his performance yearning to be someone he's not also yearning to relive the past with Bronco Henry with like what he thought as like the real men and also this sense of like nostalgia and also misplaced nostalgia I I don't know I also thought the movie was really good for me at expressing how cold and like lonely society can be for these characters like obviously Jesse Plemons has that dance scene with Christian Dunst where he says something almost of like like how good it is to like not be alone and I, I don't know I think the movie really expresses that and I love the way the landscapes are like are framed in this movie like the landscapes are a place for like Bronco Henry and um Benedict Cumberbatch to like conquer um as like manly like humans I guess Lewis and Clark types, but it's also where they were, I don't know, having gay sex out in the, out in the mountains. <laughs> and it's also where people like Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst, who don't necessarily fit into societal expectations, also can find some, some solace. Um, and it's also, but I mean, at the same time, it's, it is also ultimately where they die. Like, um, Peter goes out and it's there that he finds the anthrax that he uses to kill Phil. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's that in conjunction with the fact 
that it's the end of it's like this is a movie that's placed at like the end of a period of time it's like it's like all those movies that are like that are set at like senior year of high school it's like this is like the end of the west like bill can't keep up his performance much longer anyways this wilderness that they're like that acts as this safe haven for them that they can like go to under the guise of either traveling to the city or like going out to do rides and do hunting or whatever is being quickly colonized and railroaded over and everything like this space for them is also shrinking um it's constantly morphing into different shapes like as uh phil points out with peter with the like shape of the dog imprinted through the through the clouds i think onto the mountains it's this yeah it's this space that they're losing um I already forgot my train of thought, but like, I don't know. Those are just some other things that I, I really liked about this movie. This idea of nature as this solace, nostalgia. I mean, things that I always have always connected to. I mean, I thought that connected very nicely also with um, the idea of Phil not bathing and using dirt as this like quite literal shield for himself. Well, uh, if there's an award for saying things the most quaintly, is that a word? Quaintly? Or is it just quaint? Whatever. Uh, Eric wins the quaintly. award, possibly. Um, quaint. Actually, John, <laughs> like, very well, very well. Spoke. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Um, what do you, <laughs> yeah, what quaint do you is it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Damn. in terms of possibilities for Oscar? nods or you know does well, it have any chance right now. it is I think, for best fiction yeah i think this and belfast are the two front runners right now for best picture. I, I have to say i i may not be completely in love with this film but holy hell would deserve it much more than belfast um well, period now if belfast had a castration <laughs> scene then <laughs> i could see the argument people were no gloves that. do you know that that scene was actual was real like he actually oh, did it. Yeah, people were really mad at that. Um, was I he, saw. Him. Was he trained to do that? I, was yeah, that I guess so. doing he it? just pick up a yes. knife. I I think he he actually was trained to do it and he did it. Um, Is that regular practice? I assume. I it was don't know. And you, no and animals can, were harmed in the making. Well, of that's this. the thing. That so the end, saw, right? <laughs> that's what I saw with PETA, and people were upset about it. So well, I don't legally know. they have to put up that card, but do they have to actually not harm any? Yeah, animals? I don't know. I mean, there might be a level of like, what does it mean to harm? Because I think bull castration is a normal practice, so it's not like, like, what does it mean to harm? I don't know. You can look this up, maybe confirm or deny what I just said, but I, I did see some controversy on Twitter and on just numerous websites, um, that which happens so quickly. It is pretty. Like he I really looked that like that scene is also the first scene of the he book. Had done it before. That's yeah. crazy. I, I read that first paragraph. <laughs> yeah. At first, when I saw the PETA stuff, I thought it was going to be about slapping the horse, which I'm sure That's was a, not yeah. real. No, you could but, tell that he was not making yeah. contact with the horse. Um, but the um, apparently the bull cat. You know, let me look this up. I don't want to spread misinformation. Well, I'd imagine. Uh, it's like a common ranch practice or something. Yeah, I wonder if he learned how to play the banjo and castrate bulls to prepare for his work. Yep. 
He did. He and did do it. What other job? Am I right? Um, <laughs> he also got nicotine poisoning on the set, apparently, and he got it three times. What's so, how did he get nicotine poisoning from like smoking? by smoking so many cigarettes? Um, this- guess he was using um a lot of cigarettes in this movie because he used yep he said he used filterless rollies just after take take after take i gave myself nicotine poisoning three times so he because they weren't filtered (laughs) either dude what what actors will do to go to give us you know good movies so uh um there's also a whole level of biblical stuff in this movie too. I mean, the the ending scene literally has a Bible. The um, title comes from. That. Yeah, the, yeah. So there's also that as well. But yeah, um, just little minor notes. But yeah, interesting how much, uh, you know, what what you were alluding to earlier too was just that Benedict Cumberbatch also just didn't bathe for what five ten days. So he a month. could. Okay, a month more than that, so he could play the role accurately. You know, hey, there's a level to method acting that's admirable. There's also a level that's a little extreme. Um, he and Kirsten you know, Russell kept like completely separate throughout the shoot. Yeah, I heard. I heard that they literally would not talk to each other. Um, yeah, you know what? Hey, yeah, makes for a good movie. Say what you want about method acting, um, but made for a good movie. I'll, I'll say that it felt felt very real in that. Masterpiece. Well, I guess we will see what happens uh, in a couple of months. We'll be rolling up on our Oscar uh, episode. So we'll be. I think it's going to get at least three acting noms too. I wouldn't be surprised um, um, at that. Best director for sure is going to get a nom. I definitely would be photography. Best is going to get a best score nomination. Um, it won't get. <laughs> I wonder if technically, what is it? It's not original screenplay. It's another one, isn't it? It's like it's adapted. adapted screenplay. So I would imagine it's getting all the other ones. It's going to get adapted as well. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it it's does. a big movie. It's interesting though, too, because the Academy famously, I feel like hates Netflix movies, right? Like, or just non-theatrical released. Well, it was released theatrically, but um, what's it? I mean, Roma was Roma a Netflix film as well. Yes. And that was a movie that also won a lot of awards or no. It won best director. No, right? There hasn't been, has there been a Netflix or streamed film that has won a lot or been nominated for a lot? I don't know if there has. Irishman had like a bunch of nominations and got nothing. Yeah, right. win. So I know the Academy famously hates, you know, Netflix and all that stuff. What was the big Um, Netflix movie last year? I'm thinking of ending things and like the five bloods. Yeah. Yeah, and again, no really nominee. You know, so we'll see. This one feels like it could be one to break through, maybe. I mean, it's undeniable, maybe even just compared to what else has been released this year, it definitely seems like it would be some of the best choice for the nominations. Um, but there's still, hey, still plenty of time left. Um, oh, this and- movie, okay. This movie also does not have Netflix gloss. Big. What, what do you mean? Uh, I struggle with Netflix releases a lot of the times because a lot of them look really like artificial and plastic to me. And this one mm, somehow doesn't. And I haven't actually looked into why or how, why, but it doesn't. Interesting. Huh? Well, that's, that's, I mean, Hey, I mean, it may, it makes sense. It, it does look beautiful. Of film. I have to say that it definitely would have looked probably better too on a big screen. So, all right. Well, thank you for joining us for, 
uh, our episode on Power of the Dog. We are we are doing this episode right after Christmas and uh, a little bit before the new year. So we will be getting into very soon our end of the year in review episode and a couple final films that are coming out. And then we'll roll right into 2022 and you know, probably roll into a new season of, uh, of You Love to See It. So thanks for joining us. And thank you to Eric and Caleb. And we'll bid you adieu. Thanks, eh? <laughs> Thank you.